you want to give love to the city, that's a fact. But you're going to need help if you want to make an impact. Well endowed, you want to be well endowed with the Edmonton community. Things really happen when you find that you're well endowed. Hi everyone, welcome to the Well Endowed Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Bonkink. And I'm Andrew Paul. This podcast is brought to you by Edmonton Community Foundation, and we are a proud affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Edmonton is full of generous donors who've created endowment funds at ECF. These funds generate money to support charities in Edmonton and beyond. On this podcast, we share stories about how these funds help strengthen our community, because it's good to be well-endowed. On this episode, we tour iHuman Youth Society, an arts-based organization that supports vulnerable youth. And we meet the parents of David Finkelman, who have created an endowment fund to support iHuman in memory of their son. David Finkelman was a deeply respected musician here in Edmonton. He hosted the radio shows Big A, Little A and Resistance on CJSR. He played trumpet and guitar in the band Energetic Action, and he was a big support for upcoming musicians in the Edmonton music scene. On January 27, 2014, David was fatally struck by a vehicle while crossing White Avenue. He's widely described as a kind, creative, and generous person who gave a helping hand wherever he could. That's why iHuman Youth Society was such a great fit as a way to continue David's legacy. In 2019, his parents started the David Finkelman Fund to help support iHuman. iHuman helps vulnerable youth who've experienced trauma to obtain housing, get mental health and addiction support, and build on their creative strengths as artists. Their mission is to help young people recognize that they are more than the negative stereotypes that they've been labeled. They're more than their actions and that they have the agency to create their own identity and life for themselves and their children. Later in the show, we'll take you on a tour of iHuman. But first, I had the opportunity to sit down with David's parents, Steve. My name is Steve Finkelman. And Jane. I am Jane Cardillo. They told us more about David and their journey with grieving and finding ways to honor their son. So um, why did you set up your fund here at Edmonton Community Foundation? Well, David died almost six years ago. It will be January 27th, 2014 was when he died. And uh, we came into a sum of money from an insurance settlement. He was struck and killed in a crosswalk. And we had all this money and we didn't know what to do with it. And I had people say, go on a holiday, you know, take yourself away, do something. And we couldn't do that. It was as far as I could fathom myself. It was blood money, and it needed to go to a good cause. And for the first, oh, almost five years, we were too broken to really try to figure out what we wanted to do with the money, but we knew we wanted to do good. It's just that we were unable physically and emotionally to find ourselves to that good thing that we wanted to do with the money. So do you want to pick up the story, Stephen, and, and say how we ended up with iHuman? I mean, we had thought about bursaries at the U of A or, or, or something, but it wasn't a lot of money. And we thought, well, then if it's gone, it's gone. And how do we do that? And I uh, had been volunteering at the Alberta Aviation Museum for a long time. And as part of that, I came down 95th Street, and that iHuman was there, the old building that got flooded out. And uh, plus, I knew iHuman from my work 
at uh, CBC over the years. And it had always been one of those organizations that always really resounded. It was it was just this wonderful charity that helped young people. And uh, in January of last year, some of David's friends got together and held uh, it was a, a fifth. fifth anniversary celebration of his life at the Buckingham. And these people are all musicians. David was a musician. He had a punk band, Energetic Action. He uh, did a uh, a punk music show, uh, Big A, Little A, on CJSR for years. So music was very important to him. As part of that, his friends who were putting this together said, do you have a charity you would like money to go to? And it was like, oh, my God, what are we what do we do? I mean, here was this issue again. Where does the money go? Finally, it was push had come to shove, and it was okay, because these people are not only putting on this event to mark the fifth anniversary of his death, but they're raising money too, and they want it to go to a good cause. And um, Stephen had seen iHuman, as he said, when he would be driving towards his volunteer job, and I had become aware of it through uh, social media on Facebook and on Twitter, and I was quite taken by it too. So it was almost simultaneous that we both said, I human. So it was almost like it was uh, destined to be a little bit. Yes. Um, I am so sorry to hear about your son, and it must be super hard to to lose a, a loved one and a family member, and and especially in that manner so quickly. What do you hope that the fund will accomplish for David? So many people, after something like that happens, people are just don't know what to say. And unfortunately, many people say the wrong thing or it comes out wrong. And the number of times we heard people say you have to turn something bad into something good or things happen for a reason. I mean, it, it, just, it just tears you. So I really don't want to say something good comes out of something bad. But literally, this money was there, and it was almost like it was tearing at us that it was sitting in the bank doing nothing. And the beauty of iHuman, and especially when we approach them, uh, Christopher Weiss, who's no longer there, got back to us immediately and said, come down for a tour. And uh, they were so open, so loving, and the place just, it has this musical vibe to it that just spoke to us. I mean, this was, this was the kind of place David would have loved, and the facilities, and to see that there is an organization that, through not only music, but art and uh, dressmaking and various other things help disadvantaged youth. But the music side of it was so important to David and that they basically showed us a way that this money could help create an endowment that would just pay them eight or $9,000 a year for just supplies and stuff they need. And they said one of the big issues they have is... They have capital grants. They have the equipment. But sometimes you just need money for stuff, little bits and pieces that that's as hard as it is to rig, you know, get the $10,000 audio console or the $5,000 for instruments. And that they told us that this money would help in perpetuity 
help these kids produce their music. And it just, it literally sang to us. You've beautifully described um, an endowment um, and, and what can happen with an endowment. You're right. It may not be a lot of money all at once, but sometimes that ongoing support is more important. Um, would you want to take a moment and talk a little bit about David and tell us a little bit about him? Yeah. Well, David was 27 when he died. He had lived on his own from the age of 17. He had decided at that age that he was done with school. He was going to make his own path in his own way, in his own time. And so he took this path, and we just let him go and watched him as he grew. And he would live in rundown dwellings with fellow musicians, and he'd work low-paying jobs because all of his energy and his passion was going into his music. music. Music was his passion. Music was his passion for as long as I can remember. Um, but we, we watched him as he took this path, and we supported him. And every Sunday, David would come for dinner. And after he died, all his friends said, oh, no, we knew that Dave didn't do anything with anybody on Sunday because he'd say, nope, that's my day to have dinner with my family, with my parents. So we miss him so much on Sundays now in particular. But um, he... he just grew in his own way. And when he got to be 25, he said, um, you know, Mom, I think I'd like to try university. And I thought, oh, well, I, we said, great, you know, we support you fully on that. And we saw him go back to school and um, he gravitated to his interests, which were music and English. And he was doing extremely well at school and really into it, really into learning and into the writing of the essays and the whole thing. He just, it was like he took to it like duck to water. And so we were very pleased with how things were going with him. But David was just a kind, easygoing guy. And just going back to uh, iHuman for a minute, when we walked into the iHuman music studio, we met a young man who I think might be the uh, coordinator of the music section, Enoch. Um, and he was just this beautiful young man who emitted these musician vibes. And I, I just wanted to put my arms around him and hold him because I felt like I was at home. When I walked into that studio, musicians are, are a, not a funny bunch, but they're a, a, a different kind of person. It's like, okay, man, yeah, no, we'll do it when you're ready. Oh, you can't come now? Sure, we'll do it a little bit later. You know, they're, they're so laid back. And it was just the feeling I got from being in that studio at iHuman, it was like there was an underlying heartbeat, and it was the heartbeat of music, but it was also the heartbeat of love and welcoming and compassion and, and helping that they do so well there. This seems like a good time to find out more about iHuman. Since Steve Finkelman and Jane Cardilla last visited, iHuman has moved to a new facility. Andrew went over to the iHuman space where he met up with Steve Perot. My name is Steve Perot. I'm the artistic director of iHuman Youth Society. They walked us through this incredible space and told us about the many arts-based and youth-led programs supported by iHuman. And just a heads up, iHuman is an action-packed place, so you're going to hear a lot of activity in the background. 
Welcome to iHumanU Society. This is our facility at 9635-102A Avenue. iHuman's been around for over 20 years now. Uh, it started as a visual art studio by two visual artists who over time, gradually through different chapters in our existence, moved towards what we are today, which is uh, from, can be described in different ways as the artistic director. I like to describe it as the largest and most unique artistic collective in Edmonton or Alberta or Canada. Our membership are 12 to 24 years of age. We are oriented around three cardinal points of caring, creativity, and authenticity. And we believe we are doing our mission when all three of those elements are working together uh, at once. Uh, a lot of the artists that we work with are dealing with various forms of trauma that could be defined as intergenerational trauma that takes decades to accumulate or they're dealing with issues of housing security or addiction or mental health. Uh, what we want to be is a one place where young people in this territory can come to deal with a wide range of, of issues and problems, uh, or not even necessarily problems, just challenges, like I want to get uh, upgrades in my education, or I want to get a ticket so that I have the opportunity to work in the oil field, or I want to learn about my culture. Uh, we are in the, uh, the welcome area right now. The building is oriented around and organized around the hierarchy of needs, so the more pressing needs will get addressed as you come in through the door, the youth kitchen is to my right. The outreach offices are also to my right. Uh, the outreach workers here will do a lot of work with legal supports. They'll do a lot of work with medical supports, housing supports. Uh, we have our showers and our laundry right at the entrance. The more important needs, more immediate needs get met first. As you then move through the building or navigate it through the building, you'll find the Lynx Clinic. Uh, we can wander into the Lynx Clinic now. We're wandering into the Lynx Clinic now. This clinic provides uh, space for, uh, we have nurses from the Boyle Macaulay Health Center that come four days a week. We have a psychologist on staff, we have addictions counselors, we have social workers. You heard Steve Perot mention earlier that iHuman began as a visual arts studio and expanded into an organization that offers social support for vulnerable youth. Yeah, it's a very unique model. Individual and artistic expression is at the heart of everything at iHuman. That identity gives us the opportunity for our staff to express their professions in different ways. Our, one of our social workers also happens to be one of Edmonton's most competitive b-boys and he uses dance as an engagement tool. Our addictions counselor is a, is a talented bass player and an illustrator and he uses his artistic practice as a way to engage, uh, as a youth engagement tool. Uh, the head of the, the current head of our visual arts studio is also a registered social worker. Before we moved on to our next space, Steve Perot drew our attention to the floor we were standing on. Um, for instance, on the floor, uh, which you can't see, but I will describe it to you. Um, we have a floor mural in here that we've redone because uh, we, it's important for us to acknowledge the Treaty 6 territory and the traditional languages and cultures that inhabit this space uh, are reflected in the visual experience of this, of this space, representing Cree language, uh, representing the cultures of, of the First Nations people, that it's visible and that it's obvious. 
This piece is a co-creation, and that's a very important part of our practice. We don't want anyone to think of this space as a place where iHuman is doing things for our membership. We are here to help. Our staff is here to help people get things done. So if uh, people want to do something, we'll come along and we'll help them do our best. But it's important for us that there's, a, there's an agency in our membership, that our youth membership is here to do things. As much as possible, the staff is here to, to help, not to do. And ideally, we're doing nothing. Ideally, we're just opening the doors and stepping aside. Uh, we have now moved out of the area that is defined by creativity and into the area that's defined by authenticity. By authenticity, you can understand that as our commitment to First Nations uh, culture, language uh, of this territory. Uh, we're standing outside the ceremonial room. The ceremonial room provides opportunity for people to engage with culture, to learn how to practice using medicines. The membership that uh, are familiar with the, the medicines and know how to handle them are free to go into the ceremonial room to smudge when they choose to, to, to engage in their own personal reflective practice, but it is also used for more official uh, protocol-based uh, ceremonies as well. Uh, we are moving towards the the warrior room. The warrior room is the home of the I Succeed program. The I Succeed program is a by invitation only. It's uh, necessary for people to be invited into that program to have demonstrated a firm grasp and secure relationship with three of the four outcomes that we have defined at iHuman, which are purpose, identity, self-worth, and belonging. If someone has demonstrated that they have a, a secure relationship with three of those four principles, they may be invited into the iSucceed program, which uh, is a much more targeted type of program. If people have projects that they want to work on, whether it's advocacy, uh, being more politically engaged, leadership, upgrading their schooling, getting into post-secondary. It's a more focused type of program that is have more of a one-on-one -on -one relationship in terms of mentorship. Uh, we'll keep on moving out of the warrior room. We're still in the area of authenticity. And we are now walking into the family room. Uh, so this is the family room. Uh, the Family Room is the home of the Woven Journey Program. The Woven Journey Program is a support group for young mothers that is based on First Nations teachings and practices. It's not necessary that the participants in the program have to be First Nations, but they do have to respect that that's the way it is organized. It looks like a daycare in here. It is not. It is set up in a way to, to facilitate the needs of ankle biters and young yard apes. As a group, it's the mothers that determine what the programming is. Yeah. They determine what it is they would like to do, what they would like to see, and then the leader of the program helps to facilitate it. Uh, this space uh, has its own kitchen, uh, food being sacred and important and necessary. This was the last room on the main floor. We haven't even gone upstairs yet, and already we've learned so much. Youth can come here to shower, clean their clothes, access a kitchen. And they're supported on their journeys, whether through mental health support, reaching their goals, skill development, connecting with culture and ceremony, and even through parenting. And like you said, Elizabeth, that's just happening on the first floor. So uh, we, we have been downstairs. Uh, we've explored the, 
the entrance, the carrying services area, the authenticity services area, and now we're about to go upstairs. Um, it's a lot of activity going on here. We just finished the pipe ceremony and we'll be having a feast. It's a, it's a bit of a unique day here, uh, but now we're going to go upstairs and upstairs is where all the studio spaces are. So uh, here we are upstairs where uh, all the iHuman studios are. The iHuman studio system is based on four spaces. We have a performance studio space, we have a music studio space, we have a visual art textile st uh, studio space, and a visual art studio space. The, each three of those four spaces have full-time staff that are here to facilitate the programming of the space and to act as studio technicians and heads of studios to make sure the studios are, are cleaned, the inventory is taken care of, and that the artists have uh, a space to, to do their thing. So as we uh, wander, we're walking east now, we walk past the administration area, which is an administration area. Nothing exciting happens in there. Uh, we will go into this hazy room, the performance studio, where smudging has occurred. The performance art studio was originally intended to be a theater, like a typical mainstream kind of settler-based theater theater with fixed seats. Um, we have moved past that idea because that is a presentation space. We don't invite the general public in. We have to protect the space. We're creating a safe space. So theater, no. Performance studio, yes. So in this space we have brought in, we've had donations of risers from free will players. We brought in a laminate floor so that we can dance on it. We have brought in guitar amps and guitars. We've thrown speakers into the air. This is a place where people can come in and just grind at their practice or practice their stage shows, uh, learn how to use different types of equipment like this DJ deck that we've just, we're just learning how to use it now. We've only had it for a couple months. Uh, our artists will come in, they'll pick up a guitar, they'll set up the microphone and they'll just do the work. And it's a joy to come in daily to hear them get better over weeks and months and hear them go like, oh yeah, I can hear what you're working on and I can hear you improving. And to be in a position to be able to give them that immediate feedback to go like, that's, it shows, you're working and it shows. We're going to walk out of the performance studio now and we're going to walk into the visual art studio. The visual art studio uh, is a cornucopia of detail for your eyes. It's kind of hard to focus on one thing because there's paintings everywhere, there's materials everywhere. Just about everything that you can see in this space is donated material. Inside the art studio, there's a hidden gem. We have over here a ventilated spray paint booth that has its own dedicated HVAC unit, which as you can hear the fans, it's forcing air out. Um, as far as we know, into, there isn't another room like this in Western Canada. I mean, there are you know, a bottle body shops that have spray rooms, but not oriented the way that this was ori oriented for young people to practice aerosol practice or anything that they're doing that might generate fumes. The spray paint room is very impressive and incredibly colorful. There isn't a surface in the place that isn't painted. And they bring in fun things like school lockers and other items for the youth to practice spray painting on. 
so this is, yeah, this is the spray paint room. Um, adjoining the visual art studio. Uh, we have a number of storage spaces for artists to store their work here. Sometimes, especially if we're dealing with people that have issues of, of housing security, they don't have a place where they can put their stuff, they can keep it here. Some of the things that we're looking at here may have been here for over a year, and some of it may have just been created yesterday. Sometimes we don't know when someone's coming back, but they can be reasonably sure that their creative work is secure. Another important uh, distinction for me, coming from the practice that I come from, which is main stage or mainstream theater and, and festival administration, it's coming from a place where definitions of artistry mean that there are, are elitist, that there are people who are artists and they're the minority and the majority of the people are consumers of art. I've had to obliterate that part of my practice to think more democratically and to insist that everyone that comes into this building is an artist. Every single person that comes in, whether they come up to the studios or not, regardless, I count them as artists and I talk to them as artists and I treat them as artists. Uh, I am here to work for them. So everyone that you know, comes in here has the capacity for expression. And to also define art in a way that isn't about consumerism. That a person can come into this space and the expectation isn't that you have the ability to create something that can be put on a wall somewhere or that would be performed on a stage somewhere because the majority of the people here, well, actually what they need is an opportunity to express themselves. And whether that expression is something that uh, gets consumed by another individual or whether it's something that they crumple up and throw away, all of that has equal value. And the studios have to be able to provide opportunities for a very wide range of people. For those artists who are interested in selling their work, Steve Pro also acts as an agent for them. He helps negotiate with buyers or art venues and navigates the business side of things. Yeah, so youth are supported throughout the creative process however far they want to take it. It's about creating a safe space that is equipped well and that the things that they want to do, even if they don't know what the things they want to do, can be accomplished and that they have the opportunity to succeed. Yeah. And that's, that's, the, that's the visual art studio. We'll keep on walking and then we're going to get to this intersection and we're going to turn south. And it's going to get a little louder as we wander into the music studio. I think I hear Donovan. The music we are hearing is a track by Andrew Amplify Cardinal. They were working on a final mix as we walked through the studio. So uh, we just walked past Enoch, who is the head of the music studio. We are now in the recording room, which is connected to the control room. This is a very uh, intense area of iHuman's studio system. Um, it's certainly the loudest. Um, and it's the one that that I would say is the most specialized. There are some people that come here that only come to iHuman because of the music studios. There's a significant population of, of, of people that are attracted to the facility and to the technical expertise that our head of studio, Enoch, provides. He's producing a lot of work here. He acts like a recording engineer for most of the people. We have uh, six computers that are all dedicated to beat making. You cannot go onto YouTube, you cannot do your email, you cannot have Facebook on there. They're only for creating music. So there's a whole ecology that exists within the music studio. And each, each of the studios has its own ecology that's dependent upon the, 
the materials that you're working with or the technology that's in that space. Um, so that's, that's the music studio. Next, we walked over to the textile studio. This studio is adjacent to the music studio, so we could still hear them working on their final mix down uh, in the room beside us. So, uh, now we are on the fourth of our studios in the studio system. This is the Fashion Textile Studio. The Fashion Textile Studio is very much like what it sounds like, but it's also one of the, the nicest rooms in the building. It has a southern exposure with windows, not, lots of natural light. We have domestic sewing machines and industrial sewing machines and sergers in here. The type of activity that will occur in here ranges from people coming in just wanting to fix their ripped jeans to people that are creating their own patches to upscale their clothing to conceiving, designing, drafting, cutting, building their own costume pieces or wardrobe pieces, uh, developing their, we have one artist in particular right now who's developing her own fashion line and has been experimenting with doing fashion shows and is looking to go forward and forward and advancing her practice and we also have makeup is a very important part that will happen in here, beading happens in here, jewelry making, uh, there's so many different types of activities that happen within the fashion textile studio and as uh, one of our previous fashion studio heads has articulated uh, fashion is the most democratic of all the art forms. We are all engaged in acts of fashion every day. If you define fashion, it's not being a Vogue magazine definition of fashion, but as ex self-expression. Whether you're, it's intentional or not, we are all engaged in artistic acts of expression that we call fashion. And uh, a lot of those happen here in a very, very intentional way. Uh, yeah, so those are, those, that's the studio system, and that's my version of the tour. Now that we have a better sense of this amazing programming and support iHuman offers youth, let's return to Jane and Steve. David would be very pleased that we had chosen iHuman. He was just kind, and he was, he was my boy, and I miss him a lot. It really does sound like that, too. Yeah, I can feel that coming from you, that there's a, there's a hole there. But uh, it looks like you found a great way to, to maybe help. Yeah. yeah so uh, going back to iHuman, what have you seen done so far with your fund? We haven't really followed up, I think. This has been, this journey has been, you do something and then that's done. And then it's sort of... You take a breather. You take a breather. We just find that everything has to come at its own time. I mean, at this point, we just wanted to get the fund set up. We wanted to be able to put money in the fund for David's birthday and Christmas and things like that. And uh, we have family members who I think appreciate be able to do that. So, I mean, literally, we bite this off in small bits. I know some people, after things like this, you see them, you know, setting up foundations and running all over the place, and everybody's different. Yeah, we, we feel that the money is in good hands. We trust the foundation. We trust iHuman completely with that money, and it is, in a way, a burden that's been lifted from us. Burden may not be the proper word, but it's the only one I can think of right now. But that money was weighing very heavily on us. And we knew, we knew we had to do something. 
And I think that both Stephen and I are 100% sure that what we've done with that money is the perfect, it's the perfect thing, that we, we could not have found another cause that David would have loved so much. David was always into um, looking out for people who were needy, even some members of his band who were younger than he was. They told us afterwards that he was almost a father figure to them. He always had a kind smile and a kind word for people he would meet on the avenue. He lived off White Avenue for the last decade of his life, and he was he was known to um, a lot of the homeless people there. And we just made contact with um, an off-duty first responder who had just happened to be on the scene when David was hit by the vehicle. And he was the first one to offer assistance to David. <clears throat> Excuse me, this man told us that he was down on the ground with David and a crowd had gathered and he was asking for people to help so that he could get David into position for CPR. And two indigenous homeless men stepped out of the crowd. They knew David. They had seen him so often on the street, and they were the ones to offer help to this first responder. So we feel we're giving back to a, a community that is in need and is receiving such excellent care from the organization that that we are giving money to. So we hope it will be like a circle. It will... It will go around in a circle, and and um, maybe a human can pick up where David left off. Yes, thank you. That's it exactly. That's a thank you so much for sharing so much of your story with us. Is there anything you'd like to add about David or about your fund? I guess we should also mention. That, I mean, this is not really along the lines of the a human, but as the other part of this is, we've also been active in traffic safety issues as a result of this mm -hmm. and again not coming out of this not like we've set something up to you know wage war against bad drivers it's just a way to express what something like road violence does to a family and uh, we've set up uh, Voices for Traffic Safety, yeg.ca. And uh, some of that, there's a little bit of my writing. I tend to write a bit more about, you know, why photo radar is important and, you know, d d delving into some of those debates that we see about slower speeds and things. And Jane writes much more about grief and what... And loss. And loss and the personal impact that has. And... Um, Again, not, it's not a huge site, but it's just our way of having a voice and sharing that what, um, what's happening on the roadways today is that this is, there's the, this terrible loss. I mean, you, I don't want to turn it into a traffic safety podcast, but someone just the other day was hit by a car 
died. His name wasn't mentioned. It was just it got lost in all the other news, and it's like 51-year-old man, I think, died, gets one mention, and it's, I mean, half the time it's mentioned on traffic reports because, oh, well, there's going to be a traffic delay because there's been a fatality. Well, who was that person? You know, what was his, what effect does that have to his family? It's just these things are all lost, and we downplay it so much, and we just wanted, as part of this as well, is to keep people um, aware of what that moment of inattention could cause when you're driving a one-ton piece of steel. And I think you can never get away from what this, what the root cause of all of this really was that has caused so much devastation to our family. And yes, there is some, some good comes out of the end, but boy, we'd rather not be in this position at all. Absolutely. Yeah. A minute can change a lifetime. A second. Yes. Thank you so much again for being here with us. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you sharing your story. A warm thanks to Stephen Finkelman and Jane Cardillo for sharing their time with us and for generously telling us about their son, David Finkelman. If you're curious, the City of Edmonton annually reports on the number of traffic collisions and fatalities. You can find it on the city's website under their Traffic Safety Vision Zero page. You can find all sorts of traffic safety stats there. For example, in 2018, there was a total of 250 pedestrian collisions. Of those, six pedestrians died and 63 had serious injuries. It's a good reminder for all of us to look out for each other. Of course, we'll have the link to the city's traffic site in our show notes, and you'll be able to find links to Stephen Jane's blog called Voices for Traffic Safety, to David's band, Energetic Action, and to iHuman Youth Society's website and blog. So in the interview, I asked Steve Finkelman what his fund has done so far, but that really wasn't the right question, because their fund was so recently established it hasn't yet begun to grant. David Finkelman Fund will make its first grant to iHuman in October of 2020. Before we go, we want to tell you about a couple of things. The first is about giving you money. Right. The Young Edmonton Grants are awards for initiatives led by youth between the ages of 13 and 24. If you fit this description or know a cool young person working on an interesting project, come check out the details at ecfoundation.org. The next deadline to apply is February 15th. The second is about a new program for social purpose organizations. It's called the Investment Readiness Program. This program will help you get your social enterprise ready to start accepting investments. So if you're looking for resources to research, design, launch, or scale up your social enterprise so you are investment ready, here's your opportunity. The first round of applications will be open until February 10. Head on over to our show notes to find a link to the details. All right, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks so much for tuning in and sharing your time with us. We hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, be sure to share it with your friends. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews are a big help, and it's always a great way to hear your feedback. You can also follow us on Facebook, where you can share your thoughts and see some pics from the show. Thanks for tuning in. We've been your hosts, Elizabeth Bonkink and Andrew Paul. Until Until next time. The Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation. And is an affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. The show is edited by Lisa Pruden. You can visit our website at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at the ECF. Our theme music is by Octavo Productions. And as always, don't forget to visit Edmonton Community Foundation at ecfoundation.org. Well Endowed.